Welcome to the Run In My Mouth podcast. I'm your host, Carly Sauer, aka Coach Carly. We need to discuss common life issues together in an open, unfiltered, free environment. Running, family, work, religion, travel, general exercise, politics, relationships, self-help and development, you name it, we tackle it head on. Expect to laugh, to be intrigued, to waste a bit of your time, to learn a little something, to feel some nostalgia, and to leave inspired. Most importantly, crack open a cold one with me, or a hot one, or go for a run, or whatever suits your fancy. Let's go get her done. Welcome back to the Run In My Mouth podcast. I am your host, Carly Sauer, aka Coach Carly. Today, we've got an awesome guest who I have known for quite some time. We're reconnecting here at a very nice level because it looks like we are quite aligned with a lot of things in life. So this is Miss Becca Chills. I'm going to let her pronounce her last name. It is quite a long one. She is now a wife and a mom of two. She's got a son who's four and a daughter who's 18 months. You can probably hear my son. There he goes. Um, He's here. She's a functional health practitioner who works mainly with women on really helping them get down to root causes on how to sort of eliminate everything and get better in in a more holistic way rather than just, you know, crushing all of these medicines and all of that sort of mainstream stuff um, when they have chronic symptoms and diseases. So I'm really excited to hear about that because I feel like that's, yeah. speaking speaking of a pandemic, right? I feel like that's something oh we God. really need to get better at uh, in this life. And um, she has a business called The Fit Mom Life, which is a team of five practitioners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you guys deal with private clients uh, all over the world, I guess you said. So that's <laughs> will be really interesting to hear how that works. Um, she also co-hosts a podcast called The Food Code. And I have listened to a couple episodes. It is highly informative, mm-hmm. um, as are both of your socials. So I'll definitely say, you know, where to find Becca and how to link to her and, um, you know, get in touch with her, ask her questions, maybe work with her. Uh, so all that information will be available in the episode details. And Becca, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk more and just catch up. And yeah, right. I'm like, you know, it's been it's been a bit, right? We've had like little catch ups here and there, but to actually just sit down and chat, it's been a while. We actually did like a a 30 minute pre call (laughs) chat, and I was like, okay, wait, we need to cut this because this needs to be in the episode. This is like good content. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. But yeah, so give a little background. Yeah. yeah, Where are you? What are you doing in your life? So I know Carly from college. We played soccer together. Um, I was a goalie. And, you know, after college. Which is the one position I could never do. So good for you. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, No, it's so crazy how I got into it. But, um, you know, I I was good at it, which probably is what kept me in it. Um, Yep. Very good. I, uh. (laughs) After college, I graduated, moved back to Chicago, um, you know, left my college boyfriend, which I thought was devastating. And <laughs> don't we all? Um, yeah, I was going to say, that's a typical <laughs> feeling, right? <laughs> um, you know, wasn't sure what I was going to do, had an economics degree, but like, I thought it was going to be, you know, get into the business world and have this cool life. And I got a job at Allstate, which has a headquarters up here in Chicago. 
and absolutely hated it. Um, I would like fall asleep <laughs> meetings. I was doing actuarial work, which is really oh, no. boring. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you like get actuarial, um, like you do the tests to become an actuary, you basically are an analyst. Um, and it was just, I didn't love it. And at the time I was introduced into CrossFit and fell in love with CrossFit and everything paleo. And, you know, it completely transformed my body because I was pretty chubby. I was athletic, but chubby, I say. Um, and so, you know, got into CrossFit, ended up losing like 40 pounds. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I had, you know. I'm like, I don't think you had 40 pounds to lose, but well, maybe it's just like a body transformation. <laughs> yeah. So after college, you know, we all do like, I just graduated college and I'm in the real world type drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Out and every weekend. Um, and like, I don't have a real job yet type thing. Um, yep. So I probably put on like maybe 10 pounds after college, 10 or 15. Okay. Gotcha. And so, because um, in college, I didn't really drink plan two sports. Yeah. So I did most of my partying after college and found CrossFit. Um, I was actually a runner before CrossFit, but the funny story is that the night that I met my husband, um, we argued almost the entire night about because he was doing <laughs> he was doing CrossFit and I was running and I was like, That's no, hilarious. Paleo is not what you should be eating. And we like argued about exercise and food. Um <laughs> the funny thing is he probably if he would you know, comment, he would completely regret ever introducing me to CrossFit. Um, cause I became obsessed and did he compete? He did with me on a team in 2013. Okay. The funny thing is my husband's way more athletic than I am. And, um, that's saying a lot cause I'm pretty athletic. Yeah. But I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he was an all American baseball player in college. Um, really? Yeah. So he, awesome. uh, he was really, really good and he's good at whatever he does. He just doesn't like trying very hard. So you know, I was too competitive for him. Um, awesome. But I fell in love with CrossFit, ended up competing for five years, got really competitive, oh my God. You know, was in like the top 100 in the world in one point. Um, I was very into it, but it created a very disordered eating and um, exercise pattern. Okay. I ended up losing my period and had a career ending injury of rupturing my Achilles. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I, uh, uh, after that, I was pretty much like, you know, I was going to probably stop competing after this year anyways. So I guess this is it. And we wanted to have a baby. Yeah. And I didn't have a period. So we had to go the route of IVF um, for our first. And, you know, after Carson, um, luckily it all worked the first yeah. time, which we were very grateful for, but back into competing a little bit um and you know ignored the stress of being a new mom and ignored you know my body's signs that it was giving me like I was becoming more constipated I was exhausted I was also trying to coach at this time right before COVID Uh, you know like you waking up at 4 15 to coach the early morning class not getting home until 8 30 because I was also I had quit my to work full-time at a CrossFit gym it's a grind (laughs) it is working at a gym is a Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Yes. So, so yeah, I tried to get back into competing and my body just basically, um, I was dealing with so many symptoms, you know, calorie deficits weren't working. I went through a period of two and a half weeks where I gained 10 pounds, like out of nowhere. Um, And in this time I was also working in nutrition. So I basically got a certification to be like a nutrition coach, you know, um, Mm -hmm. macro stuff. And I was helping people with that, but in alignment with me feeling awful 
work out more and eat less along with some <laughs> clients where I was like, why aren't calorie deficits working for you? I really dove headfirst into the functional side of things and like, you know, balance of hormones and health and all of the things that a lot of people don't realize affect weight loss yeah. in a lot of ways. So that introduced me that kind of work within now of the functional side of health, helping people that, you know, unfortunately, like 10, 15 years ago for females, calories in, calories out, probably worked with like eight to nine out of 10 women. And yeah. now maybe four or five out of 10 women, because there's so many underlying health issues from Ugh. chronic dieting or birth control or, you know, stress accumulation. Oh my God, or- birth control. Immune- I feel like we yeah. could do a whole episode on birth yeah. control. <laughs> yes, we could. Uh, or autoimmune conditions or, you know, menopause or whatever is going on. And so I really just probably selfishly, like, I don't like being wrong. So I just wanted to know more to be able to help more people. So that's ultimately what got me to where I am now, which is, you know, we, uh, after Carson, I took a step back from competing, um, tried to chill out, ended up actually getting pregnant again, um, naturally out of nowhere. Uh, (laughs) Out of nowhere. (laughs) Right. Out of nowhere. Not really. Um, (laughs) Immaculately. uh, Yeah. We, we actually lost that baby at 22 weeks. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was awful. Oh. But then got pregnant three months later. So I was pregnant for like two years. Yeah, straight. So it was felt like that. And so yeah. uh, then I had Taylor, who was our little spitfire. Um, and so, yeah, now we're, you know, we're here. We moved a couple years right before COVID, or actually right at the start of COVID. Um and you know have grown our business pretty well i run the podcast with my business partner and really just figuring out life at this point because it is chaotic and exhausting and amazing all at the same time so yeah yeah let me um let me ask by the way i've picked up my near six week old child here. So if you hear strange grunts and stuff, everybody, that is because I'm holding a baby. <laughs> He's trying to figure out life. Yeah. I'm like, just don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't think that I'm making these weird grunty noises or that Becca is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So when you were initially, you know, sort of like struggling through the calories in calories out realization you know trying to coach and do all these things after Carson was born were you breastfeeding him yes so I breastfed Carson for about nine months um okay because that's like a whole nother thing to think about right like yes I think breastfeeding actually is harder than being pregnant (laughs) yes I agree and it's exhausting especially that's what I mean yeah it's so hard especially if it's not easy um Carson was easy like I breastfed Carson. We never had any issues. It was, you know, seamless and he was fine when we stopped. Taylor was a nightmare. And really? Yes. Like, I don't know if it was because she was a week early and maybe there was like some lack of development or what was going on, but yeah, would, like scream at my boob. Really? Um, yes. And so and I was pretty deep into our business growth at that time. So I had to start working. Well, I didn't have to start working, but I chose to start working again, yeah. six weeks um, yeah. like back on Zoom calls. So I had a nanny and I was um, pumping during the day and tried to feed her in the morning and at night. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, that kind of ruined it. And 
I ended up exclusively pumping for four months almost, okay. um, which is awful. Yeah, I was going to say, I hate pumping. <laughs> I hate pumping. And I hate um, my supply dropped really rapidly around five months, probably because I was exclusively pumping. And then yeah. I don't know if anyone knows what high lipase is, but. Oh, yeah. Yep. So my breast. And you milk, can't like use any of your stored milk. Yes. So all of my frozen milk that I had accumulated, basically she wouldn't take. Oh my um, God. So it was a nightmare. But yeah, when I fed Carson, breastfed Carson, um, it, you know, and when we work with women, cause we have a couple practitioners that are pre and postpartum specialists. Um, it's you, you don't realize the needs from your body Yeah. and how much you actually need to be eating to support yourself and the baby yeah. because postpartum I see so many people struggle with postpartum depression and emotional things simply because of nutrient deficiencies because they never fed themselves enough yeah so I, I mean I love to eat <laughs> I, I always have you um, always have been good yeah I'm like I've always been the person who like constantly has snacks on them <laughs> Uh, and I'm not like a big meal person because my eyes are bigger than my stomach and I'll get all this food and then like just get overwhelmed and like not eat it um, but if there's food or like snacks right like chips and salsa or a bar or you know string cheese or berries like it doesn't matter what it is like I will eat it if it's in front of me and open and accessible I want it oh, yeah. um, and throughout my entire life I was so active right speaking of being an athlete two sport athlete in college like all this stuff I never had to worry about weight ever. I've never had like a fat period in my life and where I'm like, oh my God, I need to like stop eating or whatever. But I graduated college and to your point, like the freedom and the time that you have and all of that stuff, right? Not really having like anything to, to answer to, if that makes sense. Yeah. I started learning about my body, but I got into marathon coaching pretty quickly. And so then I sort of had to eat more to support my life so I was I was used to like eating uh for fuel right like I need to eat this in order to run 18 miles later or whatever it was yep um and but when I hit COVID uh with the lockdowns and you know lost my job and the whole vaccine thing or whatever else I became you know you know like the yoga term supple <laughs> yes I became supple uh and it was awesome I was like, this is how my body is supposed to be mm -hmm. to your point of like being too muscular and like too lean and yep. whatever. I never lost my period, but I always had problems with it yeah. where I would have it for like one day or I'd have it for three weeks or mm. be really heavy or it would barely be there and then come back four days later, you know, or yep. like I never had anything regular. Like every time I'd go to my um OBGYN they'd ask like when was your last menstrual period I'm like I don't know like does it count like when I had it for three days or when I had it for a week and a half two days later you know like I, I, I don't know um yeah so it was like always terrible I had awful cramps migraines like all these problems and I just attributed it to my insane schedule yeah um and then when COVID hit and I my body just literally shut down because I all of a sudden went to a complete halt um, I just have spent, I mean, sort of like your journey, I've just spent the last three plus years just learning about my body. Yeah. And, you know, I've had two pregnancies. I'm, you know, breastfeeding my second child. That's, you know, it's all the things that you just laid out, you go through yourself and then you really understand it. And you're like, oh, like 
just eating a protein bar from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. is not going to cut it. <laughs> you know, like totally. or eating totally. out or, you know, eating someone else's cooking. Like you have to cook your own food. You have to eat fresh food. You have to, I mean, like I'm not, I don't even really like salty food. So I don't really do a lot of salt, but I'm a person who actually needs the salt and needs the electrolytes, you know, because I just get very dehydrated very quickly and get very dizzy very quickly and I have low blood sugar. So it's like all these like silly things you have to think about. But mm -hmm. I genuinely think that breastfeeding is like the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Take away any sport, any, you know, diet thought, being pregnant, getting pregnant, dealing with body changes during COVID, like anything you want to do. I mean, I've run ultra marathons. I still think breastfeeding is harder. <laughs> I, it's so time consuming and you're, you don't have a life. You are on. No, it's like, exactly. And I'm not talking like literally getting the baby to latch on your boob and sitting there and letting them feed. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about exactly to your point, the whole concept of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like the whole lifestyle of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like, like never have a shirt on. <laughs> like, yes. My, my bra is always unlatched. I'm always <laughs> uncomfortable. My boobs are either engorged or like hurting or, you know, the baby needs me. Like there's always an issue, you know, like there's always something. I felt like um, I was always sweaty. Like totally. <laughs> totally. Well, cause it's just like uncomfortable. You have this like warm baby on you all the time and it's, yes. it's good and it's cute and it's awesome for bonding and everything, obviously. And it's, the best nutrients the baby's ever going to get, like all of that. Like, absolutely. That's why I'm doing it. But it doesn't mean that it's like wonderful all the time. <laughs> no, no, it is not. <laughs> and I struggle to figure out what to eat. Like, even though I love eating and will snack 24 seven, I always feel malnourished. I just don't feel like, I feel like too full to keep eating. Yeah. But then I'm so low energy because I know I need more calories, but I can't get them in because I'm not hungry. Yeah. It's like, I cannot eat. I cannot physically eat any more food. <laughs> you know, like literally, I'm just like, I, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I've eaten so much, you know, in yeah. this first half of the day. So my go-to is always a smoothie. Mm -hmm. I have no problem like sipping on a smoothie and I'll throw like everything in there, right? Kale, dates, almond butter, peanut butter, you know, berries, whatever. I think I need in terms of nutrients. I have no problem drinking a smoothie. Good way to get it. We yeah. We work a lot with like density of foods, right? So then you're eating less volume. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, rice, quinoa, nuts, seeds, nut butters, oils, things that are yeah. easier on digestion too. Um, so that you don't have to like break down a pound of vegetables or yeah. <laughs> even doing juices. Like we'll use hundred percent organic juices with a lot of clients. Um because it's an easy way digestively to get calories to people and yeah. you're getting the fiber still and you're getting the nutrients as long as it's not from concentrate, which is actually really hard to find sometimes. Um, yeah, seriously. But <laughs> yeah. In terms of eating enough, we also sometimes like have to train clients to learn how to eat more. Um, and you go through periods where you're uncomfortable and you're full and you, you know, don't want to eat, uh, but planning it and, you know, making sure that it is getting you the calories that you need. Whereas when we're just kind of snacking throughout the day without any understanding of how much we're actually eating, you yeah. might be eating enough, right? Um, and the postpartum period is just the unfortunate period of exhaustion in general um, <laughs> yeah. for usually the first eight to 12 weeks, if not more. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't 
truthfully feel like, well, let me back up. I do not believe in the concept of quote unquote bouncing back or like getting back to your pre-baby weight or I don't believe in any of that because like you literally created a baby and a human like you're never going to be the same yes right like your whole wardrobe might need to change because your body is <laughs> different you know yep um and I just or some people like they go up in a shoe size right like there are just things that you can't you can't get back right like you can't just like rewind the clock a year to your former self you literally just created a human life and so yes. Yeah, I just, I don't subscribe to like the whole, like, I want to like get my body back or whatever. Like you need to learn your new body. Mm -hmm. um, so before I was going to say, I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel ownership of my body is a good way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, until about nine months postpartum yep. with my first. Yeah. I find um, 12 months is the sweet spot because they yeah. have like a routine somewhat and then you can get into a routine. Yep. Mm. I mean, yeah, it takes, it takes a long time. Yeah. It's not, and I had no problems in terms of like sleeping. I mean, you know, I'm knock on wood. My, both of my kids have been wonderful sleepers. Like this little guy has been sleeping like five to seven hours a night since like three and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, which everyone's like, don't tell your friends that. And I'm like, why not? I'm proud of that. Mm -hmm. That means that all the sacrifice I'm taking throughout the day to sit down and nurse him is working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he is full. He's happy. Yep. He's comfortable. And he passes the fuck out, <laughs> which is yep. great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I'm, I'm like, I'm not lucky. I just think that there's a lot of work that goes into it throughout the day. Some people like to have their babies take these huge naps throughout the day. Mm -hmm. fine right like you get a lot of stuff done you have a lot of freedom your hands aren't tied up I would like that but I would like my nighttime more me too and people you know and truly like if you are not sleeping you are at such a deficit in terms yeah you're like half a human yes yes it's I mean so do you do you do work with sleep because if you do like if you have like you know, insights to share on that. I'd love yeah. for people to hear that. Um, yeah, people absolutely. definitely don't uh, value sleep. <laughs> no. Um, so a couple things happen when we sleep. Um, one, the major one is brain detoxification. So if you are not sleeping adequately, your brain isn't able to take out the trash per se. Mm -hmm. um, and then your cells become like technically toxic at a level. Um, so that is why we see night shift workers have such a lower life expectancy. Um, because oh are, is that true yeah like multiple years lower um, oh wow because your circadian rhythm is meant to be with the sun like yeah how humans are created um yep. even if you use the like blackout curtains and all that's so, like still their life expectancy is lower so in terms of sleep i usually see a couple things one people don't go to bed early enough so the sleep that you get before midnight is actually for like a lack of, you know, more research based terms, like double what you get after. So when you sleep before midnight, the restfulness is much more impactful. Gotcha. So going to bed at like nine, nine thirty, even 10. Um, I try not to let high clients go later than 10 if they can help it uh, because it's just a lot more restful for the body. And so, yeah. okay. Usually people are waking up in the middle of the night um, and just maybe if they're in bed, they aren't getting good sleep. And so we see that happens. One of the main reasons is because of cortisol. So if people aren't eating regularly throughout the day or if their body's extremely stressed, 
what happens overnight is your blood sugar drops really low. And when yeah. your blood sugar drops, your body, if it doesn't have like external sources of sugar, like food and overnight, obviously you're fasted, your body's going to spike cortisol to make it cause blood sugar to rise. And that wakes you up. And so okay. if people are waking up a lot at night, what we will do is we'll either put in place like a bedtime snack. Um, so something like an hour before bed, something like cheese and crackers or, you know, something balanced, basically mm -hmm. um, a little bit of a protein bar, a small bowl of oatmeal, something like that. Um, and if that's not working, we'll work with like, you know, we'll get some testing done. There's a supplement called Court Ease that I really love. Um, and that is by New Ethics. Okay. That's been like a game changer for a lot of people. We'll dose like one or two at dinner time, one at an hour before bed. And it, what it does is it helps push cortisol, excess cortisol out. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, I love doing that. And then working on bedtime routine, right? Like what, yeah. what do you do to calm down? Do you, you know, are you maybe using blue blockers or turning down lights at night? Are you making sure your bedroom's cold? Are you reading a book instead of scrolling your phone? Um, you know, are you, Oh God, the dreaded, the dreaded, uh, Instagram scroll, right? Exactly. <laughs> your heart rate up with other people that have stupid filters on and photoshopping and yep. yourself. Um, so, you yep. know, it's, it's working on, and sometimes there's parasites. So like if parasites are very yeah. active, um, between the hours of like two and 4 AM. And so if, if, you know, if someone has like a true parasite issue because of a gut issue, they're more active at night, so they can wake you up. Liver detoxification happens. Oh my god! I've, wait, I've never heard that before. You can have wait. You parasite. can have a parasite in your gut and not oh, yeah. know. Yeah, I always tell people like, if you have a pulse, you have a parasite. Um, Ew. So, <laughs> I know it's gross, but um, they can cause a lot of issues for people. And the main thing is, we are meant to encounter bacteria and parasites and all these things. Like, you know, we deworm our dogs, but we don't deworm ourselves. Yeah. How do you know if you have one? Uh, we do testing and we go off symptoms. Um, wow. So there's a test called a GI map. That's a stool sample. That's okay. super easy. You just do it at home. Um, they don't always show up on that. So we normally go off symptoms. Uh, parasites have life cycles. So they can kind of like recreate themselves. Oh my, um, so disgusting. I literally am like, feel like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I know. It's a really gross topic to talk about. Um, God, what's the name of the book? Um, yeah. What's what came to dinner? I think is the name of it, or what's at dinner? It's a book about parasites. If you really want to gross yourself out, nope, um, no thanks. So, anyways, they uh, when people have compromised immune systems or guts, like they're not optimally healthy, your body's not or low stomach acid. All of those things should protect you from encountering these things on a daily basis. But when people aren't healthy, you become a like warmer host technically for these things. Okay. So you just like you're less resilient to them. Um, it's like literally so disgusting. It is. It's super disgusting because people pass them too. Like we have clients pass them all the time and they, you know, tell us and I'm like, okay. Well, you can like see it. So there's different ones that are not visible to the human eye, but there are some that like, I don't want to completely gross you out. But <laughs> I've had multiple clients be like, I pulled something out of my butt. Oh my like, God. And it happens frequently. Like and the thing is, is they cause so much stress to you. So when people finally get rid of them, like you're able to heal, you're able to manage. So symptoms. wild. I've, I yeah. can't believe I've literally never heard of like that being like a regular thing. That's oh, so yeah. nuts. Yeah. Well, we work with a lot of people that have a lot of symptoms, you know? And so like, yeah. it's crazy, um, crazy, crazy stuff. So that can cause people to wake up a lot at night too. And we'll see that too with like testing. Um, you can see stress and uh sex hormones on testing and one of the reasons that people have a high cortisol at night is usually 
like gut pathogens. Yeah, gotcha. Oh my God, that's so crazy. I mean, I've definitely done, you know, studies and research and work with clients in terms of gut health, but I am a fitness professional and I do have a nutrition certification. I've read, you know, a ton of books and obviously go down the whole like, you know, homeopathic type of natural realm. Um, I never take medicine. I don't like medicine um, recently. So total aside, but it relates. I came home from the hospital with our new baby. Well, my husband and I came home from, we came home from the hospital. Um, And I noticed that my dog who I got right after college was breathing funny. And the very next day we took him to the vet at like seven o'clock in the morning. And he literally within the previous week developed chest cancer (gasps) and it was littered throughout his body and she's like I'm so sorry but you have like one to two weeks oh my gosh literally like a 13 year old perfectly healthy black lab like never an issue was playing fetch like two days before he died um he yeah so he we literally lost him 10 days after we came home from the hospital oh my Um, gosh yeah, it was like, a, I mean, stress is, is an understatement. Um, and I'm not a person who ever succumbs to stress. Mm-hmm. I recognize it. I deal with it. I work through it. You know, I do whatever I need to do. I have my own little, you know, sort of things that help me recenter and calm down and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But awesome. this time I really, I really couldn't <laughs> considering yeah. I was getting zero sleep, trying to maximize my time with the dog plus a literal newborn um every day we were taking day trips so we were going to you know farms and parks and you know beach and just doing all the things that we know that our dog liked and loved and wanted to do and and he loved it he was having a great time we were making him steak every night and you know just just doing all the things um and you know after he passed it was obviously devastating and it was really hard to come to grips with and to think about and whatever but just thinking about the schedule that we had for like a literal month isn't, I can't even believe it. It's insane. But right when we found out he was going to die, I freaking developed shingles. (gasps) And it's like, obviously I freaking did like, Mm -hmm. hello. I mean, freshly postpartum. I had a C-section. So I had major surgery like three days prior, four days prior. Um, And the stress of losing my dog is literally more stress than I felt for losing like grandparents. I mean, thank God I've never lost like a parent or anything, but like, you know, just like family members or like my uncle or my aunt or a cousin or whatever. It's like, I felt more stress with my dog than I have like with anyone else ever, like with a breakup or a move or anything. Um, And so like, obviously I got freaking jingles, but they didn't know what it was. I went to urgent care, like, you know, I went to all these places after like, it wouldn't go away for a week. I thought it was poison ivy. So I was treating it for poison ivy. Um, I know it's, I mean, I've, I didn't think you could get shingles if you weren't like 75 and old. <laughs> so, but once I finally got the diagnosis, I was like, oh, well, obviously. Um, but point being, I've never been on antibiotics as an adult. And they, 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 well, they put me on antibiotics. And it totally fucked me up. It fucked up my baby because he was like a week old and he's getting residuals, obviously. And so after three days of that, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this for a week. I can't. Yeah. Um, And then the dermatologist was like, well, if you're stopping the antibiotics, we want you to take this antiviral. And I was like, well, that's like even stronger. I don't want to take that shit. (laughs) So 
I did like a deep dive of research of, do you have to take the antiviral for shingles? Like I called two different people who I knew had shingles. Oh. Um, I mean, I literally like went off a deep end because I was like, I don't want to take any more medicine. Like I'm already so stressed. I'm learning my postpartum body. I'm learning my baby. I'm giving him these stupid drugs. He's two weeks old now. Like this is crazy. Um, and I wound up taking the antiviral because the moral of the story with that was convincing enough to me to understand that if I don't take it the rash could be severe for like six weeks and yeah. then start healing and if I do take it it mitigates the symptoms and I could have a life um, pretty yeah. much right away so I still have it it's still healing but it's literally been almost six weeks and the antiviral did cool it down after like three days so it did do its job Mm -hmm. um, but like, you've got to be kidding. Right. So like, I'm looking at these medicines and looking at how it's affecting me and the baby or whatever. I was not sleeping. I was all messed up. My appetite was weird. I was excessively thirsty. Like yeah. you just see all these different things. Right. And, um, I felt like, uh, like gut pain kind of, yep. and I think it was from the antibiotics because I wasn't taking a probiotic with it. Yeah. Because again, I'm nursing and I didn't, I don't want to like take all this stuff. So I was having, you know, plain Greek yogurt and I was trying to combat it with stuff like that. And I mean, it's just, what a nightmare, man. Like yeah. do doctors just prescribe you shit and they're like, good luck. Oh yeah. Like, well, what do you mean fucking good luck? Like I just told you I have a week old baby. I'm nursing him. Is this safe? Like. Why is it up to me to do the research? Like, what's exactly. And that's the annoying thing is, you know, antibiotics and anti antivirals are definitely less common because um, normally viral infections are not something that they have medications for. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't even believe that they gave it to me. I was like, is this what you do for like COVID? Is this like, is this what people take? Like, well, and a lot of things are like immune suppressors, essentially. Um, yeah, well, that's how I felt. So then I got like sick almost like flu symptoms. Uh -huh. um, and I've never had the flu as an adult or yeah. ever. I've never had the flu. I've never had strep. I've never had any of these stupid things, you know? So I'm like, sure, I've had a cold and I have, I have allergies, but like, I don't like know how to be sick. I'm like, I don't have medicine. Like I don't have a medicine cabinet, you know? Like I don't, yeah. like, yep. what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously shingles is, it's a, it's actually a variation of the herpes virus. Um, so the adult shingles is. Um, yeah. And the crazy thing is that a lot of times as, you know, he, adult females specifically, females have a lot more of a, um, we have a superior immune system than men do. Mm -hmm. um, and a large reason of it is because our adaptive immune system. So basically when you get sick, you have the innate immune system that comes in and that's kind of like your first line of defense. And you don't typically feel symptoms when you have the innate immune system. The adaptive immune system is what causes symptoms. Um, and gotcha. that's like your full force, strong immune system that back up. And there are T and B cells within your adaptive immune system and they have higher amounts of estrogen receptors on them. And so mm -hmm when females go through large hormonal changes in their life, like menopause or coming off birth control or sometimes, you know, postpartum, it causes this cytokine storm, essentially this like inflammatory storm. So it's a lot of the reason why females after they have babies or after menopause or like in these transition periods, you develop things like 
hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's is much more common after yeah. pregnancy and after menopause. Like your, your body, just the immune system becomes overactive. Yeah. So okay. Makes sense. You become more susceptible to, you know, dysfunction and things like that. And antibiotics, I think there's a statistic. I'm going to totally butcher the number of times. I believe it's if you've taken more than, I think like eight doses of antibiotics in your lifetime, you've completely changed permanently your gut microbiome. Oh my God. And I, mean, I know so many people who are like, give me a Z pack, like all exactly. the time. I'm exactly. like, ew, gross. <laughs> so um, the biggest thing you can do is like create diversity with your food, uh, take in lots of fruits and vegetables and, you know, a diversity of proteins and change your diet occasionally. You know, a lot of people eat the same things, even if they're healthy things. Yeah, all the time. It causes a lack of diversity, which isn't good. Um, I have people, you know, go low carb for six weeks and then introduce back fruits and vegetables and do a short stint of intermittent fasting as long as stress isn't too high. Like the fact that we end up in this constant state of, I eat the same thing every day because it's easy, um, does not do us service. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny because there are various conversations I've had with people who, sort of have gone down rabbit holes of nutrition for their own sake for, you know, thyroid issues or, you know, trying to conceive or just, you know, various things. They're not practitioners. They're not, um, you know, nutritionists. They're not, they don't have any sort of degree or certification, but they, they've done deep dives yep. and they will um, sort of lecture you right on what to do and how to do it and why to do it and all these things. And it's like, I think that delivering information and, and offering people information and, and teaching in a way is wonderful and great. And I think the sharing of ideas is what makes the human race go round, but not everything works for everyone, right? So to your point, you should try different things. You should experiment with different things. You should um, you know, like you said, go low carb for a little while and then reintroduce items as you're ready or, you yep. know, really try a structured elimination diet if you're interested to see why you're bloated or why you're getting headaches or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, you know, but a lot of people just uh, lack the discipline. Yes. The discipline, right? So, yeah, it's easy, right? It's easy to have yogurt every day for lunch. It's easy to have a steak every night for dinner because that's just what's in the, you know, your freezer and you just want to go grab it or, yep. you know, whatever it is or the exact same salad, you know, that you get at work every day or whatever it is. And it makes sense, right? And to your point, it could be healthy, it could be good food, but too much of a good thing is still not a good thing, you know, to, in any area of life. One of my favorite um, quotes is Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart said it. He said, uh, one Tylenol is great, but 17 will be your last headache. Um, <laughs> more is not uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's being smart with what you put in place. And absolutely, the thing that we always have people like, start with introducing one new vegetable a week and one new fruit a week. If you always have an apple for a snack, buy blueberries this week. Like if you, you know, yeah. make a different dinner than you normally keep on rotation once a week, try a new recipe. Um, you know, stuff like that to ease into it. But I totally get it. I was that way forever. Um, and the people that come to us, the females that we work with, it's always like, oh, well, you know, 
low, I just feel better on low carb. I'm like, then why are you bloated and constipated and don't <laughs> like here in front of me right now? <laughs> yeah, you're like, what is, so that's a, that's a very, I, I laugh because it's a very poignant topic yeah. in my sphere where I am constantly pushing and pressing. Cause that's the one thing that I've kept, um, you know, a, a hold on over the years since I've stopped teaching and um, you know, I'm not working in a gym anymore and all those things is private clients for running yep, and some pre postnatal clients. And, you know, obviously clients come and go and that's a good thing, right? Like you always want people to be expanding their horizons and trying new things and trying to do things on their own. And I've had a couple of clients who I've had for years and we keep making new goals, right? Setting new bars, trying new things, breaking a PR in a race or like, there's always something else to chase. So we keep working together, which is wonderful. Yeah. And it's just so funny because you're like, as the professional, you see this individual's potential if they would do X, Y, Z, but getting them to change like lifelong habits or five years of a habit or even, even just six months of a habit, right? Yeah. It, it can literally take years. Yeah. I, uh... And it's just, it's so crazy to have that longevity to like take the back seat and take a step back and just see it and look at your log of your client or your calendar or whatever format, you know, you use to, to keep track of this stuff. And it's like, wow, you know, wow. Like, I'm glad that I take a step back from my own life quite frequently to make sure that I'm not like going down some crazy rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so we use testing, which is really eye opening for a lot of people. Um, because, you know, if I'm sitting with you with your lab work and we go, through, yeah. <laughs> we go through lab work step-by-step step with all of our clients, like I share my screen, I go through their blood work and we look at functional ranges, which are usually a lot tighter than conventional ranges. And, you know, we're painting the picture for them. And I'm the type yeah. of person that, I mean, I'm, listen, I need to see what the heck is wrong with me and what's so fucked up before I actually do something about changing it. And yeah, so well, totally. It's helpful in that sense. Um, and then the other piece is, you know, a lot of people that we work with have hit a rock bottom. And I think for some people that needs to happen because you, you have to realize that if you do not accept that you are the problem or at least part of the problem, there will be no solution. Totally. And, you know, a mindset piece is a lot of what we work on with people because let's be honest, you know, it's, it's more than half the battle. You are going to convince yourself better than anyone else could. Yeah. And so, you know, I always say we're the best storytellers in our own lives. Um, you just have to be able to make that shift sometimes to tell yourself a different story. Yeah, ex I mean, totally. Right. And it's funny because you hear, you hear that, um, phraseology a lot nowadays just in terms of uh like gen zers right like mm. the like the narrative and the story and all, all the all this verbiage and it's like that's fine if you're using it for good you know like everybody's quote-unquote lived experience and all of this it's like it's like yeah everyone does have an experience and a life and a reason to believe whatever they're believing but it doesn't mean that that's everybody's existence you know, and it's actually quite the opposite. We are all such individuals yeah. that doing something like you and your colleagues do is necessary, mm -hmm. right? Because when you go through conventional medicine, you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, you go to the ER, like wherever you're going, it's 
very cookie cutter to them. They check some boxes. They give you the same shit they just gave person A who left the building two seconds ago. They're going to give it to person M who's coming in in two hours. Yeah. You know, like it's not specific. Like I remember with my first pregnancy when I, I got it, I had to get a new OBGYN because my old one had just stopped doing OB when I got pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. And it's like in the height of COVID, no one's accepting new patients. I was in Bermuda at the time. I couldn't get a doctor in Bermuda because I don't have health insurance in Bermuda. So we came back to the States and then you had to quarantine for 14 days before you could see a doctor. I mean, it was like just a freaking clusterfuck. And I was so upset because I'm like, oh my God, like I need the confirmation of pregnancy appointment and I need to figure out like a, an action plan. Yeah. Right. Like you can't go four months of being pregnant without ever seeing a doctor and like expect to be healthy. Right. Like the first trimester is like the scary part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hyper stressed. I had like this really awful bleeding episode where I thought I was, you know, losing the baby. So we went to the ER, all these tests were done, whatever. And I came home and I, it was like literally the day before Christmas Eve too. So it was like wonderful timing. Um, I was like, well, this is fun. Uh, but I came home and I really was in the, you know, keep the Christ in Christmas type of a mindset. And I was just so thankful and like, honestly, like enraptured in prayer that like the baby was okay. I'm okay. You know, nobody died, like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is my body, right? <laughs> like it's my baby in my body. Even if I try to do everything that I can do to keep myself healthy, there is a chance I will develop a crazy disease, right? Like a cancer or get hit by a car or like something terrible is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But I can do everything that I can do in my power as I'm, you know, fit and mentally aware and able to do to keep myself and my baby healthy. So that's the plan. And I had stopped drinking months before we got pregnant because we knew we wanted to, you know, have a baby. And so we were just going about it as healthy as possible. And when I finally went to the doctor, again, a new doctor, he was like, you are my healthiest client or my healthiest patient. And I was like, what is that? Like, what does that mean? And he was like, Oh, I just don't have to worry about you. Like, you know, everything, like you're asking me all the questions I would be asking you, your, you know, height, weight, BMI, all of this, your, you know, track record, your no allergies, no, you know, illnesses, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, well, I I don't want that to mean that you dismiss me. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't want that to mean that our appointments are two seconds long. I have Oh, I, I use the notes app on my phone like yes. so much and I, I, I scrolled through and I said I have all of these questions for you and so he literally backed up and sat down and I was like thank you so every single appointment I had regardless of him telling me like you're fine you're literally my healthiest patient I asked him like no shortage of 20 questions every appointment good for him uh, he answered them because all OBs technically are surgeons yeah they're they're not you know, nutrition experts for pregnancy. Like that's not, they are there to make sure that nothing. The baby comes out. <laughs> you and baby live through pregnancy. And that yep. is, that's really it. And they're, they're, believe it or not, they are the most sued doctors. Um, really? Yes. And so oh, terrible. I, I believe that's why a lot of like C-sections and having babies early is what has come. So C-sections, yeah. C-sections are one in three yep. pregnancies now. Um because it looks slightly lowers the risk. And so that's why yeah. I think OBs push all of that so hard. Yeah. I mean, so I, I was a person who wanted my birth to be, you know, 
completely natural, no epidural, like no intervention, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I really practiced my, you know, coping techniques and pain tolerance and, you know, breathing and, you know, how I wanted the room and how my husband was going to support me and, you know, prepared him for if I like lose my mind, don't let me get the epidural, you know, all of these things. Um, and then my first baby was breech and not just yeah. breech, but literally feet up by her head. So she would have come out just butt first. Oh my God. And that's just, you can't. Oh, I mean, no, no, no. no. Like yeah. that just doesn't work. Like there's no. no way you could make that happen. So I was like forced into a C-section with that. And I tried spinning babies. I tried yoga poses. I tried, um, you know, diet changes, hot, cold therapies. Yeah. I did not do acupuncture because I'm like terrified of needles and just couldn't get over that. Um, I just, I just, I don't know. I understand if acupuncture works for people and I tell clients to do it all the time, but like, I just haven't been able to overcome that hurdle. Um, and I also did not try the like manual spinning maneuver in the doctor's office because it just sounded so painful and the success rate of it is like not very high. Um, so yeah, so we just were like, if that's the safest route right now, like that's, what's going to happen. Fine. And then I wanted a VBAC for the second baby and we got pregnant pretty quickly, like, you know, one year removed from a C-section, which is not good if you want to do a VBAC. And um, I had, you know, great feeling and I was, I was fine in terms of my doctor was like, if you, you know, if you're set on that, like we can work through that. But of course this guy was freaking breached too. And uh, I, I know I was like, what is it? My they don't have enough room. I mean, so literally that was the problem with my, my first, I didn't, yeah, there was no, just the anatomy inside. There was no room for her to flip. <clears throat> and so they were like, it could cause her more stress if we try to flip her, you know, whatever. So I said, fuck it. Let's just get the CC section, move on with this guy. He was a little smaller and not by much, but a little smaller. And so I was like, all right, well, if there might be room for him to flip, let's, let's try, you know? So yeah. I tried with him. I literally felt him flip around one night. I thought I was freaking going into labor. Becca. It was so painful. I couldn't even sit. I couldn't stand. I was like pacing around the kitchen table. We were in the middle of dinner. My husband's like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know, but I'm in a great deal of discomfort right now. Um, we had a scan the next day, a, a, an ultrasound. And it turns out he was trying to flip, um, but he couldn't make it. He was diagonal. Oh my gosh. And so I, again, I tried the yoga poses and the, you know, opening up the areas and, you know, loosening and all these things. Um, when it came time for delivery day, we could have tried a VBAC, but you'd have to go through labor and the attempt to see if you're successful. And then if I still would have wound up with a C-section, <laughs> I would have been so pissed. <laughs> Cause that's just so much stress on my body and his body. And I'm just like, so I was like, all right, you guys, you guys tell me, do your, do your, you know, scan and let me know. So I literally went like the day or two before scheduled C-section and they were like, he's still not totally head down. And so I was like, fuck it. We'll just, yeah. so two C-sections and you know, we might want a third baby. So I'm like, Oh God, it's like, it's just like you go down this road, right. And you have people like, Oh, I've had four C-sections. Like, good for you like I don't want four c-sections yeah it, you, know. <laughs> you know like I don't want to go in surgery that many times it's an awful fucking experience yeah. and I mean, any listeners who have had c-sections it's fucking terrible yeah the scar like right now I'm working I have my six-week post-op tomorrow morning and 
I need to talk to the doctor about, you know, scar tissue and the healing underneath. Cause all of a sudden, as of like two days ago, I have like wicked tenderness in my abdomen, like wicked, like it, if you push on it, it's like, it doesn't, you know, it's not painful where I'm like excruciating, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah. There's, and so I'm like, what the fuck, man? There's a lot of correlation with, um, oh gosh, scar tissue and endometriosis down the line or yeah. or I'm um, opening a seltzer, by the way, not a beer. Good. And, uh, SIBO or like gut issues because all of those like your intestines your uterus all of those things are on top of each other basically separated by like a thin layer of tissue um yeah so when there's scar tissue it can be caused like adhesions um and it can cause basically like tightening of gi systems so it's crazy so doing doing all that stuff once you can tolerate it for sure yeah so i will say i personally I mean, you know, I'm so in tune with the body anyway. I'm constantly doing, you know, stretches and massage gun and like manually massaging and all that kind of stuff. But I went and got a postnatal massage with after, well, after my first pregnancy and the the masseuse like was like pulling apart my scar. It's crazy. And it hurt. It hurt worse than recovering from a C-section and it hurt for like three weeks afterward. Like, I don't know if I can do that again. (laughs) I've never heard that. (laughs) It was so painful I was like I trusted her to like know what she was doing and I mean she's she was Eastern European so I was like I trust your you know culture and everything that you have to say at this moment but at the same time I'm just like fucking ow man like it, it like it almost like burned I don't know how to explain it like oh yeah I don't know it was just not it was not comfortable so I will do the same thing again but I like I certainly won't go to the same masseuse <laughs> and <laughs> if it feels the same way I'm totally gonna have to be like can you please stop because uh, it was just it was terrible it was like not good I didn't expect it to be comfortable right obviously uh, but yeah I was in like pretty significant pain for like three weeks and I, I was like that did not feel good I was fortunate I have a very long torso so I have lots of room for my babies to move um, yeah <laughs> was able to have both vaginally pretty Ugh pretty well so but. yeah good no that's awesome honestly it's like hearing I don't want to say comfortable but good success stories of childbirth and just you know people who are not like traumatized from the experience <laughs> really makes me feel good uh, like I think my sister had three pretty you know yeah I don't say easy but easy. pretty straightforward vaginal births and she yeah. you know she said like she literally said to me because she had all three of them before I had my first. She was like, yeah, you'll be fine. (laughs) And I was like, I definitely would like something a little more honest than that. (laughs) But she was the person who like got to the hospital early, got the epidural right away. Like, Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, she was, she was on top of it because she was like, I don't want to feel anything. Fuck that shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I lasted until like seven or eight centimeters with both of them. And then I got epidurals with both of them. Yeah, good for you. That's great. But, you know, I tried to wait as long as I could, but, but. Yeah, well, of course. I think like for me, it's more of a mental thing where mm-hmm. I don't like to be, I don't know if I'm necessarily like claustrophobic, if you will, but oh. I don't like to be confined. Yes, yes. And, I understand. Yeah, like the whole thought of being numbed and not being able to move on yeah. the hospital bed and then having to 
work to get a baby out I was like I don't mentally I can't like overcome that yeah um, because obviously like in a c-section you're you're numbed and you're on a, an operating table yeah. so like obviously but that's different I'm literally like they cut my fucking insides out like obviously obviously I don't want to move you know it's a little different oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely a little different I know um, like sorry for anyone listening who does not like to talk about childbirth that was a little graphic crazy ride <laughs> Um, but yeah, there are just so many facets of like what you do and like who you work with and stuff that I want people to hear. But if you could pick like one real, like just zinger topic that you think is super poignant for people to learn about something that you just love to like specialize in, even if it's not work, even if it has to do with like being a mom or a parent or a woman nowadays or just anything, if you have like one really big just nugget to that you want to like impart on people what would you yeah what would you really like go for I think it's that females in particular endure feeling suboptimal because we think it's normal and it's normalized in our society unfortunately like the exhausted mom the bloated mom the you know uh never putting yourself first and just having to grind through it all. And yes, I get it. Like, you know, I'm a business owner. I have two small kids. I, I have my fair share of exhaustion, but there is a line that often gets crossed where the symptoms start piling on quickly and people don't do anything about it until it's really kind of uh, it's layered on. And so you know, we deal with a little bit of bloating, we deal with not going to the bathroom every day, or we don't even pay attention to it. Or, you know, not feeling rested ever when we wake up, like the alarm comes and we don't want to get out of bed. I guess just everything you just said, but would you sort of create a space or a category for people who have quote unquote, clinical issues in terms of like, when people say, they're on antidepressants because they have a chemical imbalance. Like if someone came to you with something like that, yeah, what so would your response be? My response would be that chemical balances have chemical imbalances have never actually been proven by research. That's all right. Um, okay. So, That's what I, I believe too, because I've yeah. done a lot of research on it. And there's literally uh, no research yeah. that it. And they have even yeah. told it. so and the, the other thing that's kind of frustrating is that um antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are given based on symptoms. They are not tested ever for anything. They are not tested either for any genetic mutations that could potentially be in place that make people react poorly to them. And it is the two most common prescribed drugs in an OB's office are Prozac and birth control. And so often it is a matter of nutrient deficiencies and poor health versus a true mental emotional i'm not saying that they can't help people in certain phases of life they are not something you should be on long term they create a lot of other issues downstream um, as do statins and beta blockers and all of these medications that we are put on and what i try to explain is that the state that your body is in is a temporary state do not treat it permanently because of a temporary state that happened yeah. Evaluate the state that you were in and why it happened. Was it a hard time in life? Okay. We know that there's higher stress. 
we need to put in nutrients, we need to put in potentially deeper healing and mental emotional work, it's not going to be solved by a medication, you know? And so we talk about more, again, the root issues. Gut health is largely linked to mental and emotional issues. And if you do not have a gut that's functioning properly, and believe it or not, a lot of people that come to us are like, I poop every day and I don't think that I'm bloated. And I, we get, we get a GI map on them and they're like lit up like a freaking Christmas tree. Like there's <laughs> so many things going on that are probably impairing digestion and absorption of nutrients and all of these things. And then once you start working on it, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how horrible I felt until I actually started feeling better. Yeah. So wow. It's, you know, we've accepted such a suboptimal living standard in our society, which is really depressing. Um, yeah. And conventional medicine simply doesn't have an answer for chronic issues. Don't yep. come to me with a gunshot wound. That is not what I fix. Like, <laughs> but if you are chronically unhappy, don't feel great, don't have amazing energy, aren't digesting food or are dealing with constipation or diarrhea back and forth all the time, like there's something that's a problem that's going to create a bigger problem if you don't address it. Yep. Well, I love that. And I mean, I agree with literally everything you just said. And it's funny because it really relates to like what I just um, went through the last six weeks, or I guess I'm still wrapped up in, if you want to say that. Yeah. So the last six weeks have just been so stressful, right? Like having a baby, postpartum, recovering from a C-section, my freaking, you know, dog died. I got fucking shingles. (laughs) Um, And also in that period, my husband was sick, like very sick for like 10 days. Um, and could not interact with like either kid for like three or four days. So that was tough too. (laughs) Um, But it's like, you look at this and I thank God. And I think it's just because of what I do for a living and just the skills I've learned and picked up along the way, which it sounds like you've done a lot of, you know, introspective work and just figuring out yourself and your body and your psyche and just all the things. It's an, it's an everyday process, right? And every day I sort of evaluate where I'm at, how I'm feeling, what's working, what's weird, maybe should I tweak this, whatever it is. And everyone who I spoke with, whether it was my um, virtual follow-up for pregnancy, whether it was my um, you know one or two week appointment, whether it was a pediatrician appointment, everything that I had to do, I prefaced by saying, I'm in a really tough season right now. Yeah, Uh, I've got this, this, and this, and this going on. I promise you, I'm not clinically depressed. I do not have baby blues. I love my child. I have no, you know, regrets. I have no issues with, you know, feeding him or or staying up late or caring for my other child. I said, I'm just in a really hard place right now. And like, I will come out of it on top and better and happy and, and, you know, more or less fine, if you want to say that, but I am a changed person. Right. And so I'm just sort of like learning this new season and everyone I spoke with was just like you know teary-eyed and like just so remorseful and like I'm so sorry and you know all this stuff but like thank god I said that because if I didn't I guarantee I would have been prescribed something by this time for sure and that's the and the hard thing is that people go on them during a hard time and then they try to come off them and coming off of antidepressants and anti-anxiety or any psychosomatic drug is very hard. It You have yeah. to slowly dose down. People have horrible reactions, so they never come off of them. Yeah. And it's because a lot of times too, you aren't fixing the deficiencies of the body before you try to come off of them. So it makes it even harder. And so, you know, 
I, fortunately, I've had multiple clients be able to come off of them. We have 99% of our clients get off thyroid meds because it's a whole other story, but being on thyroid yeah. basically make you hormone or hormone resistant. So your, your cells are not taking up the hormone and it's not helping anymore. And you're actually yep. more hormone resistant. Um, gotcha. And people constantly gain weight on thyroid medication and it's yep. just, you have to take high and higher doses and it doesn't help. And so, um, you know, we work to get a lot of people off a lot of their medications. There are some that are just necessary, um, but it's rare, you know, and it's always a conversation with the client that they're comfortable with and working with doctors if necessary. Uh, but, you know, we have a medical team that we partner with and we have all of those, you know, I's dotted and T's crossed with all of that. So, well, exactly. It's like, you're not really speaking or working out of turn. You're giving recommendations and, you know, things and it's specific to a person. Yeah. So it's not just like here, buy my plan offline and try it, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. with all of our clients personally. Um, yeah. More yeah. Relationship than it is like a doctor patient, but we, yeah, it, the body is meant to function. That's what I tell people. Your body is meant to be healthy. Um, if it's not, there's a reason for it. And we work to help you figure out that reason and then bring the body back to health. You know? Yeah. I mean, shit, that's amazing. Well, unfortunately I'll have to cut. Um, okay cut this chat uh at this moment so i love that final nugget and maybe there will be a part two yeah i'd love um, to that yeah because i just feel like there's so much and like i would love your thoughts on like the birth control epidemic as i would call it i just have so many thoughts on birth control I'm and a reel on it today that's coming out so you can keep an eye out for that but it basically birth control is hormone replacement therapy but because we don't call it that you know, what if you put a male at 14 years old on testosterone? Yeah, I mean, seriously, though, right? Like, you would think that's kind of weird, but because we call it birth control and we say that, oh, it's a get out of jail free card and, you mm -hmm. know, you can solve all your problems type pill, we yep. don't deny. But the there is no research that properly addresses the chronic effect of what 70% of the female population has been on oral contraceptive at some point. Yeah. I mean, it, when you look, so I've been like really keeping track of a lot of the stats and, and injuries from birth control uh, over the years. And I mean, shit, I was on it for fucking 20 years. I was on it for 10 years, I think at least. Yeah. It's sick. And for, cause I got my period at 11 and I had it super heavy for two months and they thought I was like bleeding out. I got anemic and had like all sorts of problems. Yeah. So that was the answer. But then I just never got off because I was terrified to get off because I didn't want to have a problem, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, it was never about sex or having a baby or anything like that. It was like I got put on it as soon as I had my period. So I associated period with birth control. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, my period won't be regulated without birth control. But the point is, it's, you don't even really get a period, right? So yeah. anyway, let's, yeah, let's table that until we can circle back because, yeah, would love to hear more about that. But give the listeners just a quick overview of how to find you where to find you social media how to work with you yeah. all of that and then so, i'll link it in the episode details too for sure so you can find me at fitmomlife.com um f-i-t-m-o-m-l-i-f-e.com uh that is our obviously website um i just created a new social media account i had to kind of separate my personal and business so help me grow my following um the <laughs> at, at the hormone queen um so I'm doing everything hormones and female health over there. Adrenals, thyroid, sex hormones um, is kind of my jam. So 
that's where you can find me on social media. Um, and I would love to hear from you if you need help. Um, my email is Becca at fitmomlife.com, B-E-C-C-A. So if you just want to reach out to me personally, I, I love to help people. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Love it. Yeah. I, I think I said to you in my initial message to you, like I started following your, um, yeah. new Instagram and yeah. well, I mean this again, topic for another call, but I loathe social media <laughs> and yes. you and Liz seem to do such a good job on it and like just have such a good handle on it. I was like, I don't know how you create all this content all the time. Uh, like, no, thank you. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's a whole full-time job that takes way yeah. too much time. I mean, literally, I was like, I think I posted, like it took a year for me to post again on my private account where I do like my... Um, like beauty stuff. Cause I, do, I have like a consultant for yeah. beauty counter and I was like, wow, I haven't posted in a long freaking time. So <laughs> I, like, I should probably, and like my iron diamond fitness account. I've had that since 2013 or 2014 or something. I don't even think I have a hundred posts on it right now. Like, cause it's... I went, I went through and I like archived some stuff that didn't make sense. Huh. And then now I'm like, wow, I should probably like be relevant, but <laughs> It's, it takes a lot of work, but you know, I want to inform as many people as possible about. Well, of course, of course. I just am like, I don't have the mental acuity for that. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. So, yeah. Or like the skills. I don't even know how to create a story with like multiple pictures. Like I don't, people like create these like cute collage stories. I'm like, I don't know. Like, or like pretty, pretty fonts. I don't know. I'm so out of the game. I need to like take a class or something <laughs> I do class. Um, yeah I'm like I don't know do they do Instagram class <laughs> I bet they do I bet someone has an Instagram class I'm gonna find yeah them. I'm like I need like a 20 year old to like show me the way <laughs> um <laughs> awesome well thank you again Becca so amazing love catching up and uh yeah this episode is gonna be fire so excited thank you of course all right we'll chat soon yes yes have a good day I'll talk to you later So much information to digest. Did you learn something from Becca? Have your ears perked up at any moment? Did you relate to anything in our conversation? Chances are you did. So we will definitely have a part two to this massively informative chat. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And if you don't have notifications turned on for our podcast, just go ahead, turn that on, a little flip of the switch, and you'll be updated. And now hearing all about Becca's educational progress, life updates, challenges, and her wins along the way is really cause for celebration. How good life really is, right? We truly need to count our blessings each day. And if we're not on top of that, let's get better in the future. Focusing on positives, treating our bodies like the true temples they are, and really just tuning in tuning in from head to toe, making sure we have the right resources, the right steps in place, and really just have a straight head on our shoulders. If you have yet to check Becca out over at fitmomlife.com, definitely head over there. Read more into social media, check her out at the Hormone Queen on Instagram. Tons of juicy info there. For our podcast, more your thing, I should have guessed take a listen to Becca and Liz on The Food Code, available everywhere you can listen to a podcast. 
As always, I've been your host, Carly Sauer, aka Coach Carly. You can find me at Iron Diamond Fitness. Y'all, keep running, one foot in front of the other. Chin up, eyes forward, arms pumping for power, and always remember to pick up your feet so we don't trip over the small stuff.